Hi, welcome to Let's Talk Forex. In this episode, we speak to Chris Weston, the head of research at one of our top brokers, Pepperstone. Chris provides excellent advice for beginner traders and how to create rules for trading. He covers trading strategies and the importance of risk management. He also talks about trading the dollar and cryptos. He is an excellent communicator and we are sure that you will thoroughly enjoy this episode. As a heads up, I drop out of the conversation somewhere in the middle due to connection issues. Hi, and welcome to this week's podcast. How are you, how are you Alison? Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks, Chris. Um, electricity seems to be holding up for this week, so getting quite chuffed about that. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's great news. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, no, I'm okay, thanks. Uh, just back from a flying visit to London, which was a lot of fun. Always exhausting, very expensive, but um, but good fun. Let's move on quickly to, we've got a very uh, exciting episode for people this week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as we mentioned last week, we have a very special guest joining us, Chris Weston from Pepperstone. So welcome, Chris. My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, good team. Yeah, no, it's good to have you here, Chris. Um, Chris is the head of research at Pepperstone, and you've been there for quite a while, right, Chris? I've been at Pepperstone for, well, coming up to five years now. Um, Prior to that, I was at IG, um, and then before I moved to Australia, I was stationed in London and and, uh, spent a number of years working uh, both in sell-side and and buy-side institutions, Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, and uh, in sort of more trading roles than research, where I'm sort of more in the research side of things now. But but uh, but yeah, very much uh, very much in the trading side of things at uh, on the sell side um, and, and at Merrill Lynch and the, on the buy side, working in the fixed income division there. So a bit of a mixture between everything really. But uh, you've yeah, been at Pepperstone for nearly five years now. People who may not know, uh, Pepperstone is one of our favourite brokers based in Australia. How long has Pepperstone been? A, when was Pepperstone founded, Chris? We were founded in 2010, so yeah, we've we've been around for a while. Our, our DNA sort of spawned from from the FX markets and the explosion in in, in, in currency trading in the in 2010 and onwards. Um, but yeah, now we've 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 sort of branched out now. We've we've got seven different licenses around the world. Uh, yeah, we've got mm-hmm. offices in London, Dubai, Frankfurt, and uh, certainly, you know, our footprint seems to be growing around the world as as, as the interest in in, in trading leverage products has, has been increasing as well. So, but yeah, so the headquarters at the moment in 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 Australia. So yeah, it's a a growing business, and uh, yeah, good to see. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, great interest in in people looking to sort of trade the markets and and, and trade their own individual individual strategies. You know, with with our podcast, uh, Chris, we mainly focus on getting beginners getting started on their trading careers. You know, when you when you're just coming into this, um, coming into trading, what where do you where do you see that they should start? Yeah, my my advice would always be to to master a trading strategy. And, you know, myself, I've got multiple different trading strategies. So I'll run a momentum, a momentum strategies, uh, you know, on, on sort of longer time frames, position trading, you know, I'll run some trend following systems um, and also mean reversion strategies. Now, some of those markets, some of those strategies will work in different markets. But, you know, the way that I started off was very much, um, you know, looking at momentum strategies. So buying strong and, and selling stronger. You know, on the belief that a body in motion stays in motion. So I, I would pick a strategy and 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 become a master of that strategy. So for me, momentum makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, especially when you're trading very short termism, um, and you're trading with leverage. You know, following the flow of capital is is a really good place to start. 
um, and, and, and look at what indicators work for that strategy. Um, look at the market environment that, that's working. Is it a trending day? Is it a mean reverting day? Um, if so, you know, then then move on to another market that, that that's showing real momentum. Maybe yeah, the the rate of change is going up and the price action is looking bullish. It's breaking out. Um, but I would start with with, with a strategy. Um, what market environments does it work? What time frames do you like to work off? And those time frames are going to be very very beholden to your own lifestyle and circumstances. So, you know, when I'm talking to a client who's who's coming into the market, you know, I can't just say. You know, here's a strategy. Go and take it away. We, we, they need to, they need to, you know, to manipulate that to fit what they're currently doing. You know, if they're not a full-time trader, they might be a plumber, they might be a farmer, they right. might be—I don't know—whatever they're going to be. But you know, that they might be a full-time parent. Yeah. Um, their ability to be in front of the screens will dictate the sort of time frames they're doing. So I would, I would master a strategy. Um, know what indicators best fit that and know how to use those indicators correctly within the strategy and also you know what time frames suit them what sessions they want to trade as well I think that's probably the best way to start yeah that's that's very good advice and then on on that note um you know you were mentioning that if a certain instrument doesn't have momentum for that day which which instruments would you recommend for beginners and you know what economic events should they look out for that influence those instruments or those markets well, I mean, it's a very difficult question to answer because, you know, we, we could be looking at you know, systematic strategies. So, you know, creating a rule-based strategy, it doesn't necessarily have to be automated um, or algorithmic in nature, but just having a, a set of rules which, which you adhere to, you know, like the price action has to be above the five-day exponential moving average. The, you know, it has to be breaking out to a new 40-day higher. These kind of things that you have a checklist on, I think, are, are really, really important. Um, so it's, it's difficult to, to, to sort of really pinpoint how that's going to go down. Um, but I do think that, that having a rule-based strategy is a really good place to start. Um, and, but it can take some time to, to get into that point and, 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 and get, you know, harness that one uh, you know, to, to its full extent. Yeah, so it sounds to me what you're saying here is that education is really key. Um, before anybody jumps in, um, that uh, you know, l- building a trading strategy um, and learning how to use these indicators. And I know you offer like demo accounts and, and all this kind of stuff. Is that what you recommend? That someone sits with a demo account for a while and um, reads as much as they can and, and and absorbs as much as they can? I think when you're starting out, yeah, fundamentals can be very very troublesome for a lot of people. Whatever they're looking at in in the fundamental situation and saying, oh, the Australian dollar is going to rally against the euro as a result of this. The problem with a lot of a lot of sort of fundamental issues that people take is is yeah, unless they're they're properly schooled in the art of understanding formatics, yeah, they're probably either looking at the wrong thing or that news has passed and it's in the price, right? Because well, yeah, we live in the future as as traders, right? We don't we don't live in the here and now. We're we're, we're pricing stuff in real time, and the problem with with a lot of sort of fundamental analysis for for, for beginners is they're either looking at the wrong thing. Um, or the market's already f- fully discounted it, which is why I would always suggest looking at price action. Price action is the aggregation of all human behaviors all, and, and non-human behaviors as well. Um, and price is ultimately what we're trading, especially in the currency market. You go into the currency market, $8 trillion a day of global flows that are taking part. What you're seeing on that chart right there is the aggregation of all of those flows, be it through exports, um, be it through um, real money accounts, from leveraged accounts, yeah, all these different people are doing different things, and that's what we're trading. So, 
yeah, you're trying to sit there and say, oh, yeah, this, this central bank's going to raise rates more aggressive in this one, so I'm going to buy that currency. Well, the market's probably already discounted it, and the price action mm-hmm. is reflective of that. So I would say when you're, when you're building a strategy, you know, it's really important to understand what the key central thematic is that's moving the market. You know, right now, if we take that, it's, it's this obsession with interest rates. Could the Fed raise 50 basis points on the 22nd of March? Yeah, could we see the terminal price or the, the, the peak rate expectations going above, you know, 6%? And what does that mean for the dollar? What does it mean for the ECB if the, the ECB, you know, the market prices in um, a, you know, a peak rate expectation later this year, you know, well north of 4%? What does that mean for the euro against other currencies? The price is actually encapsulating a lot of that situation. And, and to, to, to understand what's going on in the interest rate markets, what's going in swaps, options, all these factors, is, is very, very difficult for the average retail trader to do. So, you know, but it's good to understand what the central thematic is. And therefore, when we understand the central thematic, we can go into the heart of what trading is all about. It's not necessarily just about strategy. It's about risk management. It's about position sizing relative to the volatility in the market. And if you understand the thematic in the market, you can have a greater sense um, of what the market is going to be sensitive to when we see these event risks coming out. I'll give you an example. You know, the market right now, as I keep saying, is, is, is very sensitive to interest rate expectations. So yeah. what is the Fed looking for? to you know, raise rates more aggressively. Well, the, for the, the two major ones are you know, the non-farm payrolls and, and the labor market and also you know, core CPI. And therefore, yeah. you put greater weight around those situations. And so when, when these data points come up, you, know, you need to make your decision. If your strategy is working, it's, you know, it's going well, you need to make a decision into that how do I manage the risk around my position, knowing that there's this huge landmine in front of me? So fundamental analysis is not necessarily just about entering the market. For me, it's understanding what's really important to the central banks, what's really important to the market, and then knowing when these event risks are coming up so that we can manage our position accordingly around that situation. You know, our job is, if we're, if we're running a long euro position into the ECB, for example, is, is, is the market expecting this to be a volatility event? You know, where is the balance of risk around that situation? Is it higher or lower? Um, and therefore, we can make a decision whether we want to keep that exposure going into that meeting, look to trim back or keep it going on. So, yeah, for fundamental analysis for me can be really important just to, to feel what the market's finding really important and use that uh, to, you know, to harness our risk management. Because ultimately, yeah, for traders, when you're getting into this game, you know, building a system is fantastic. But ultimately, we are managers of risk. We are managers of risk yeah. and we try and achieve correct position sizing. That's what we do. So that's where I'd start with the fundamentals. What's important to the market? That's important to me. Get your calendar up and know when those event risks are going to be. And on that note, how would you develop a risk management strategy? What would your, you know, how would you go about it as a beginner? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great question, right? So, um, I mean, there's, there's, there's so many different ways I can answer this. But the first thing I would say, if you're trading with leverage, which I know a lot of your viewers or listeners would, would, would be doing so. So I would look at the options market. We don't offer options at Pepstone, but I would look at the options market and understand using implied volatility as to what the market's expecting by way of movement. And, and if you can get that, then you can understand if they're thinking that it's going to be an event risk or not. What most people would do, though, who don't have these options pricing is, is look at realized volatility. And what we can use there really effectively is things like average true range. 
or average daily range uh, if you're using the different trading systems that we offer. So one of the things we look at is the higher the, the higher the movement to the market, and that market might be higher, it might be lower, but it, you know how it pulls away from a mean effectively. Um, that to me will dictate two things. That will dictate my leverage and and how how levered I want my account to be, and secondly my position size. Because as traders, that's what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to achieve the correct position size relative to the volatility in the market and relative to the size of our account. You know, I'm just not going to trade. With a 500 to one uh, you know, account, when euro dollars moving 100 pips a day, you know. But if euro dollars moving 30 pips a day and, and, and trading very low range, uh, then then yeah, I can probably take my leverage up. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to be trading at 100 to one. The second thing then is is you know your stop loss represents the risk that you're taking on a position. You know that 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 to me is everything. So if I know the distance between um, yeah, the, my entry point and, 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 and my stop loss, that to me is how much risk I'm taking in each and every position. So the distance between my stop loss and my position sizing is, is how much I'm prepared to lose. And I, I, I'm harnessing my risk. When I'm trading my momentum strategy, you know, my, my win rates are very low. You know, traditionally in, in trend following systems and momentum strategies, you know, you're probably running around 40% strike rates, which to a lot of people sounds very, very low indeed. That is, but yeah. But what you're doing is, is you don't need to be right every time. What you need to know is that when you make a trade that works, you need to extract as much juice out of that trade as you can possibly do. You need to cut your losses very quickly or let your stop loss you know, stay in place. Um, mm-hmm. But what you need to do is it's all about the risk reward. I don't even consider the strike rate. I don't even consider the, the win-loss ratio doesn't mean anything to me in those strategies. It's all about the, the reward that I'm getting for my risk. And I'm using a mechanical position i've got you know moving averages uh, that i use to to keep me in the position as a stop loss and yeah now whilst a lot of your viewers will sit there and say how moving averages are lagging indicators the great thing about having a a moving average system such as you know price closing back below the five day moving average such as the three day exponential moving average crossing below the eight day is it keeps me in the trade it keeps me unemotional the market's just telling me to to you know if if it goes up if it keeps going up I don't know if it's going to do that, but if it does, then I'm going to stay in the trade and there's no emotion attached to that. So I'm looking to extract as much out of the trade and therefore I can have a low win-loss ratio, but sometimes I'm going to get five R's, sometimes I'm going to get 10 R, and that's going to keep mm-hmm. me in the game. And that's what's going to keep me prof- profitable. So again, coming back to your question, you know, I'm looking at the, 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 the movement in the market and that's going to dictate my leverage ratio. And I don't want to change my leverage ratio on, on every trade. You're just never going to do that. You're never going to get on your platform and say, I want to you know, switch from 500 to 1 to 100 to 1 to 50 to 1 if you're a pro client. and go, you know, But you, you want to do it when the volatility regime changes. Secondly, you know that, that when there's big range expansion coming through in the market that you want to trade with a wider stop. And your position sizing is going to come down. Conversely, you know, if you see very low volatility in the market and low range, and, and average true range is, is, is the one that most people use in that. Um, and then you can trade with a narrower stop and obviously increase your position sizing and your leverage accordingly. So that that's I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that and I'm looking at the volatility in the market and, and my risk that I'm taking on the position is is thematic of, of the volatility in the market. Obviously, you know, your account size is obviously true as well. Uh, you know, if you're trading with a small account, say, you know, less than $5,000, um, you know, you need to be aware um, that, your, that, that your position size needs to be in fitting with that. You know, you can't just go and, you know, do 10 lots of euro dollar because, you know, the chance of blowing up your account is going to be very high. 
So they're the factors that I really look at. And then, of course, I'm looking at the calendar and I'm probably looking at the calendar two weeks ahead um, to understand the big marquee event risks. Because what you'll see is when the when the market catches on with a psychology of a, of a thematic, like, yeah, OK, we're waiting for the next Fed meeting. Yeah, what could the dollar do? What could you know, rates do? What could you know, things things tend to trend into these meetings as well? And I just want to be aware of those event risks. So that's, that's kind of how I'm managing risk. Yeah, it's really fascinating listening to you talk about your momentum strategy because it's kind of the opposite of what a lot of beginners are taught, you know, is that, you know, you know you've got to keep your strike rate, you know, about at least, you know, 60%. Um, and then yeah. listening to you talk about this momentum strategy and saying, you know, you don't, it doesn't really matter to you. But then I guess, I mean, you're, you're very experienced and you understand and you understand exactly what you're looking for. It's, it's exactly what happens, right? So if you, if you, if you get a bunch of uh, new traders together in, 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 a, in a group, they're all just sitting there talking about what's your strike rate, yeah, what's your max drawdown, yeah. and all those factors. Yeah. But for me, the the strike rate is thematic of the strategy. So if you get some experienced trend followers who run systematic trend following systems, you know, mm-hmm. either algorithm algorithmic um, that have been backtested or ones that just just are purely rules based. There's a theory that they're hunting for what they call outliers of a distribution. So that's more of a statistical anomaly. But really, what they're doing is 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 they're just, they they just don't care about the strike rate. Obviously, if they can get 100%, then then happy days. But they know that's not going to be the case. The problem with, with, with a lot of breakout strategies, which are thematic with momentum, is that you get a lot of failed breakouts. And, you know, those failed breakouts can be very powerful as counter, counter moves. Um, but we want to cut those positions very quickly. So if we buy a breakout, maybe you know, price closes above an upper Bollinger Band, maybe above a 40-day high, we use a Denolchin channel. Um, you know, th- that could mean something. That could go on to be something very powerful, or it might not. And if it's not, we want to cut out very quickly. But if it goes on and starts to trend, if it starts to show this this strong underlying momentum, then then you want to be part of that and you want to extract most, as much out of that trade as possible. There are strategies where the win loss ratio does matter a lot more. You know, if you get some mean reversion, for example, um, I don't trade mean reversion as much. You know, I, I, I'm not as active in mean reversion, but. You know, in those situations, you would be targeting your strike rate. So your risk reward may mean less, but I want to be getting a 65 to 70% strike rate on my mean reversion. So I think it really depends on the actual strategy that you're running, whether you actually care about win-loss ratio or whether your reward to risk is far more important. In some cases, actually, yeah, what you're, you're trying to be rewarded for the amount of risk you're taking can actually be far more important. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, really fascinating. And and I mean, because you mentioned at the start that you know that you think beginners should should look at momentum trading as a as a strategy to start off with. And so, would you recommend for beginners just to be aware that they don't need to be quite so fixated on their strike rate when they're when they're if they're starting out with a momentum strategy? Exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. your job is to cut your losses as quickly as you can, um, and that may even mean you know. So you've got your stop loss in place and your stop loss represents how much risk you're taking on. If you know your defined yeah. risk, you know, without any kind of gapping, then you can you can say to yourself, well, I know I know the kind of areas that I want to target as reward. And mm-hmm. and in those kind of momentum strategies, what is momentum? Momentum is a vector. So it means there's two things going on. One, that is the rate of change needs to be going in one direction. Also, price needs to be going in the same direction as well. This is why yeah, the first thing you look at in momentum is, is rate of change. Yeah, Typically, you need some sort of breakout strategy as well. 
Um, you know, uh, this is why a lot of people will use Bollinger Bands. So you'll see like a narrowing of the Bollinger Bands, which means that the, the price action is, is becoming more confined and realized volatility is falling. And, and that can that can be quite a powerful force when you get an upside break and it's combining with with other oscillators as well. Um, price action is, is also really important. But, you know, people say, Chris, you know, would you trade with a, with a price target? And, and, and for me, no, because... Price targets can be good in this situation if you've got a defined risk. So you've got your stop loss in price and, and you know how much risk you're taking on. So you can you can say, you know, ideally I'd like to to target this kind of level and it gives me a three R. But if you if 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 you're letting the market do the work, you know, you see some of these trends that have developed over the last couple of years. Go and have a look at dollar yen. I mean it's, it's last year was was a, a fantastic one. And just pull up a just just a just a simple, you know, three day exponential moving average crossover versus the eight day. And market has a little bit of a pullback. Retail traders are taking profits on that trade because they don't want to surrender those profits because, yeah. you know, you have to be proven right. You know, this idea that you can never go broke taking a profit. Well, I would say that probably the worst saying in financial markets is you can never go broke taking a profit because you can. And retail traders do go broke taking profits. The thing is, they let their losses run too much and they take their profits too quickly. So that saying to me is, is the worst saying in financial markets. Um, and you just got to extract enough out of that trade. So just when you get these powerful moves, these impulsive moves up, we don't know when they're going to stop. We, we have no we have no prophecy, no ability to, to forecast that. Um, it can keep going, especially in, in, in cryptos, for example, where you can get some really powerful trends playing through. So I don't trade with price targets. I don't trade with limits. I just I just let the market go up until in, until the price gets me out. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear you say that. I mean, it's, uh, again, a lot of, you know, beginner orthodoxy, you know, is to set uh, set a limit, you know, uh, don't let the price run, you know, this kind of discipline. And I guess, for, I mean, what I guess what you're talking about for you personally as well is that requires a quite strong, not only an understanding of the markets, but then quite a strong psychological aspect to it as well. Not really. If you're if you're if you're using a systematic or a mechanical approach, there's no emotion involved at all. You know, if you're just using, I mean, just just those. You, know, you could have a, a an ATR trailing stop. You could have a, m- a moving average trailing stop. Just something very simple like that that keeps you in the position. And right. you know, and and that's just a rules based situation that says, you know, I'm I'm not going to get out the trade until until this actually has completed or done this this rule, um, and therefore. You know, you're just removing all bias. You're removing all, all emotion um, from, from the market. And that, that, that can be very powerful indeed because, you know, retail traders, society says that we have to be right in everything we do. In trading, that's just completely opposite. You know, we're, we're wrong a lot. Um, and and, and, and it's, it's how you deal with being wrong that makes you a good trader. For me, running some sort of mechanical system means that, that you remove all the emotion out of trading, which is the, it, which is the devil's work for, for a lot of people learning to trade. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's good. I mean, just moving on uh, from that. I mean, I saw over the over the weekend, and I, I mean, yeah, I know you do this all the time. You posted a weekly outlook on Twitter on Sunday night. A lot of good advice uh, for what traders to look out for uh, yep. for the coming week. Thank you. And the fate of the fate of the USD, you know, that takes up a lot of your advice uh, in there. But what do you? Where do you see the USD going in the short short to medium term? Well, um, you know, adopting my my momentum hat. Um, yeah. yeah, for people who have got, you can pull up a daily chart of the dollar index or the DXY, fifty-seven percent weighted towards euro dollar, of course. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a huge amount of resistance around one four one oh four ninety two, and and until we can clear that level, I think we're just going to chop around with a small downside bias. 
So I, I'm, I'm, I've got my levels, I've got my alerts, and, and I want to see price close above that on a daily basis. That would definitely interest me for a potential move up to 106, maybe even you know further higher. It might, it might even start trending, and you know that's what I'm looking for. But you know, from a fundamental perspective, um, you know I've got my checklist of things that need to go right for the US dollar to to, to bull trend. We need a US exceptional story to to really kick off, and that means yeah that global growth is falling. But the U.S. is looking better. It's, it's the best house on a shabby neighbourhood. Are we there? We're not. We're nowhere near that point at the moment. I mean, we're seeing Euro natural gas prices at forty-three dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, they're in decline. Yeah, European inflation's high. European growth's looking, you know, better than what people were looking for. Yeah, emerging markets are in a better spot. Certainly, China's growing better. So global yeah. growth's on the up, and 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 generally the U.S. dollar does well in a falling global growth environment. So that sort of checklist isn't there at the moment. From an interest rate perspective, well, interest rates in Europe have been going up, or interest rate expectations in Europe have been going up far faster over the last couple of weeks than what we've been seeing in the U.S. So from that perspective, while well, we've seen U- yeah, interest rate expectations in the U.S. going up, they've been going up faster, and you can see that in in, in short-term bond yield differentials. So yeah, euro dollar has been going up as a result of that. So I can easily make a bull case for the for the U.S. dollar, um, <laughs> but yet. Yeah, we're not at that point where the checklist is marrying up. And, and if you have a look at the price action and, the, and the, you know, it's what we're seeing in the daily chart, it, 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 it mirrors that situation very, very clearly as well. So I want the market to tell me when, when to, to, to push me into a position. And if I'm using the dollar index as a proxy for the dollar, I know that it's, it's, it's a pretty poor representation, but it's just probably as good as we got as traders. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think yeah, I really want to wait for a break of 104.92, and I think if we can get a closing break of that, then then my tactical bias will become significantly more bear, uh, more bullish coming through. I think saying that at the moment, yeah, we, we've got a bit of a grind. Volatility is pretty low in FX markets, which means it sort of plays into yeah you know, my leverage ratios and and um, yeah how much risk I'm taking on a position. But I think if we get a move sort of around through 103, um, which you can see a, a really nice consolidation through mid February. Um, I think, yeah, we'd be talking to clients about a much more tactical sort of bearish bias um, coming through and, and you know, how that changes our sort of thinking around sort of dollar pairs as well. Yeah, no, it's um, it's a really interesting time. And as you said, and I think in your statement, you know, that um, there's everybody's kind of just looking at the data at the moment. You know, it's just a... We're all data dependent. See. We're all data dependent. Yeah. Fed are data dependent. You know, they're, they're kind of working on two week cycles. So they get they want to get their non-farm payrolls numbers. They want to get the US CPI mm-hmm. numbers, and you've got this sort of tier two data piece that releases coming through. And then they're making the assumptions of you know like if if, if inflation is not going down as much as they want, maybe we need to go up to fifty basis points. Maybe we need to show that we need to raise the increments up to get the Fed funds rate to another um, another you know, plateau higher than where we are at the moment. Which I think if if we get to that point, could have a, some big ramifications for global markets. And I think global markets at the moment. They've been pretty resilient in in the face of rising interest rate expectations because global growth has been going up. So growth for me is the most important factor. Central banks have been raising rates. We've seen Fed funds going up 450 basis points this year. The ECB are are talking about raising rates to 4%. We saw the the RBA potentially going up to 4.1%. We can talk about this as cows come home, but the the fact is is that global growth has been very strong. And, And until we get to the point that global growth really starts to show that these rates are now manifesting in, in lower demand um, and possibly higher labor markets or labor unemployment rates. It's that yeah. point when I think we're going to see bigger volatility coming through because that's the point when markets say, well, hang on, 
this this recession that everyone thought we were going to have at the beginning of the year is now manifesting about well exactly the recession's been pushed back right so but there will be a point where those interest rates will get to a point where they will start impacting markets but it's when the realized data comes in and shows you know vulnerabilities that's the point when i think we're going to see higher realized volatility and, and implied volatility in markets and that's the point where i'll be saying to clients you know, leverage ratios should be taken down because we're getting much more pronounced intraday moves playing through in currency markets and indices. Yeah. And that's where you could get more pronounced drawdown. And that's that point when the dollar could start trending as well. So growth, everyone's talking about interest rates. We're all we're all completely obsessed with how high, high interest rates could go. Where's the terminal peak pricing coming through? But it's the point where growth starts to really falter. There's that equilibrium that sort of takes up from higher interest rates into falling growth. It's that point, which will come, I think, that you're going to see you know, markets come alive. And I don't think we're going to see it just yet, but I think we will see it this year. And, and that's going to create you know, really interesting trading conditions for traders. I was going to say something to look forward to, but maybe not to look forward to, but to be aware of that this is coming down the track. Everyone loves volatility until it actually <laughs> hit. You know, we saw you know, people were craving volatility. 2020 happened. And it was the wrong kind of volatility. It was too crazy. You know, the volatility, I mean, obviously there was a, we can take about the humanitarian aspect out of that, but from a market's mm-hmm. perspective, yeah, the volatility we saw across markets in 2020 in March was insane. You know, what was going on yeah. in crypto and means and, and equity markets and fixed income. I mean, we were seeing 10-year yields bouncing around in 35 basis point moves. I mean, volatility works well until it's too crazy and then everyone regrets yeah. it because they don't adjust to those scenarios. You know, they don't take their leverage ratios down. They don't trade wider stops. They don't take their position sizing down. Um, so everyone craves volatility. Um, yeah. But when it comes, they can't they can't adapt. And you have to adapt. That's what we do as traders. We adapt. We react to price moves. We adapt our trading systems to the, to the volatility uh, in the market. So I, I personally hope that we that we get higher volatility. I mean, obviously, it's probably going to come at the expense of, of, of higher unemployment rates. Um, mm-hmm. but my, my understanding is, is that you've got to understand that you've got to recognize the signs and you've got to be able to adapt your trading and your accounts, uh, to, to those conditions as well. If you want to do, if you can do that, and if you can adapt your risk management, you know, have a bigger margin, you will stay in the game. You will survive and you'll potentially thrive as well. Yeah. That's uh, something else I wanted to talk to you about actually is, I mean, you mentioned their crypto, you know, and the madness of crypto, you know, and it's a pretty hot topic and a lot of uh, we get a lot of questions about it from from visitors to our site listeners to the podcast you know how do i trade crypto safely you know a lot of beginners they're really interested they want to get involved it's a big buzzword but they're also aware that it's um you know that there's a lot of risk with trading crypto and how would you go about trading such a volatile asset yeah i mean i see crypto uh, as, as a high beta um, risk asset effectively so if the Nasdaq's going up one one or two percent, you know, crypto in 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 a, in a risk on environment should be going up at a slightly faster pace. That's probably broken down a little bit now, but I think if we were to get a kind of you know correlations all picking up and risk on risk off vibe playing through, I think crypto will probably show its hand and revert back to that again. And that's where crypto can be an amazing an amazing trading vehicle. Yeah, look, people say the spreads are slightly wider, but you pay for the movement. Yeah, you know, there's nowhere that you're going to get three thousand pips. In, no. in an asset and pay, and, and <laughs> no. pay you know, 20, 30 points uh, to, to do that. So, yeah, again, you know, look at the look at the volatility in, in, in that market. You can't compare Bitcoin's volatility to euro dollars volatility, for example. So you've got to look at the volatility in a market relative to itself. And this is where we look at things called percentile rank. So what is the volatility in the market 
relative to where it's been over the last 12 months in that individual asset. So we'd look at things like standard deviation. We could look at, you can look at average true range. And, and I think that's a really you know, good one for, for a lot of retail traders to look at. Um, and you can look mm-hmm. at realized volatility as well, which again is measured in standard deviation. But you've got to look at its volatility relative to where it's been in the last 12 months. And, and you could be trading at 12 months highs. In that situation, I would be trading a wider stop. I'd be taking, you know, making sure my leverage is minimum. And I'd be you know, obviously trading with a very low position sizing accordingly. Right now, the volatility is probably around the sort of 30th percentile of the 12 month range. So I'd be trading with a slightly narrower stop and, and maybe increasing my position size accordingly. But I think, yeah, crypto has been what we call a liquidity beneficiary. So it did really well when central banks were expanding their balance sheets. They were pumping reserves into the system. Commercial Mm -hmm. banks were lending and all these factors. The opposite is obviously true now with quantitative tightening and and balance sheet reduction and the dollar moving okay. But yeah, I think what I really like about this is when it goes, it can go. Yeah, it can be a brilliant momentum trading strategy. It can be yes. a brilliant trend yeah. following system. You get a lot of FOMO capital in there. You know, when it starts going up, people are chasing it. You get a lot of optionality playing through. And so from that perspective, yeah, I love crypto in that environment. Right now, it, I, it doesn't infuse me at all. Um, mm-hmm. But from a trading perspective, when it goes and everyone's sort of standing on one side of the ship, you know, these, they can be brilliant trending vehicles, brilliant liquidity uh, momentum vehicles. And yeah, look, the spreads are slightly wider, but you pay for the movement in the asset. It's like emerging market currencies. People say, why would I want to go and pay, you know, five pips when I can pay, when I can buy euro dollar for, you know, next to nothing? Well, you know, you can get a 3% move in emerging market currencies. So you're paying for the movement, whereas in euro dollar might only move, you know, 50 to 70 pips in a day. And that can that can really suit a lot of people's strategies, especially people who are you know, trading EAs. They love trading euro dollar. But if you want that movement, you've got to pay up for it. And, you, and you're going to get that from Bitcoin and you're going to get that from emerging market currencies. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that's true. And that's what we tell a lot of people is just, you know, um, what's really been really great listening to you is talking about this risk management going into these volatile, volatile assets. And I think a lot of people, you know, they don't understand that as long as you have appropriate risk management strategies in place and you've got your entries and exits uh, sorted, the gains to be made are, are huge. That's right. And, and the thing is with risk management is it's, it's not sexy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like every, 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 <laughs> it everyone when they're learning, really every, everyone's learning about, give me an entry system. You know, tell me how to enter a market. Give me a breakout strategy. Give me a, a scalping strategy. Give me you know, whatever it's going to be. They want to know how to enter the market. And that, you know, that, that's obviously a really important part of trading, but that's all anyone wants to learn. The ability to manage risk, that's what we do. We manage risk. We are risk managers. The ability to get correct position sizing relative to the volatility in the market. But the other thing that, that, that really, I just want to sort of say this, is your ability to learn, your ability to know where your edge is, what we call continuous improvement. You know, your documentationing of your trades, but then taking time to actually learn and actually review what you've done, that's the least sexy part of trading. But it's the most yep. important. For me, you know, writing a journal is, 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 is laborious. It's boring. No one likes to do it. But it's the way you're going to learn. Yeah, how else are you going to learn to become a good trader if you're not looking back and saying, well, you know what? I traded Asia. I was trading dollar yen. I was trading these currency pairs. And I traded like an absolute plum. But mm-hmm. I traded Europe really really well now what is it about europe and that late european crossover into the u.s trading session that makes me such a good trader i can see from my trading journal that i trade it really really well and i trade these markets really well in this system why is it that i'm trading well well maybe it's because the news that's breaking 
is generally US centric and affecting these dollar pairs. And 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 it's and it's and it's working really well for me. But I'm trading I'm trading Asia really, really badly. You know what? This is where you say to yourself, well, maybe I just want to stop stop trading Asia as much and 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 trade more of what's working. You know, if something's working in your life, you do more of it. If something's not working yeah. in your life, you do less of it. Why can't trading be the same? You know, learn what works and do more of it. Learn what doesn't work and do less of it. I mean, it's exactly. I, I love running. I love. You know, I probably don't look like I love running, but I love it. I try and do it as much <laughs> as I can. I, love, I try and do it as much as I can. And yeah. um, you know, trading should be the same. You know, if if if. But you can only find out what's working from documenting and reviewing your trade. It's the only way. And 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 again, it just comes down to the thing: is this to be a good trader? Unfortunately, you have to take time to learn. And if you really want to do it, you'll put the hard work in and you'll document those trades, you'll review those trades um, and you'll learn where your edge is. And once you understand the edge, you can harness and, and focus on the edge. And, and so for me, that documentation, what, what I call continuous improvement is where you will become a really good trader. I mean, and that's fantastic advice uh, there, Chris. It really is. And it's something that we talk about a lot. And, you know, and it's like everything, uh, not like everything else in life. But I mean, if you want to get good at something, you have to work at it. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. You've got to learn where your edges, and and that takes time. Yeah. And going back to the demo account, I mean, for me, the, de- the demo account can be really important um, in terms of building a strategy and and finding out where its edges and back testing it can be you know good if you can automate it um, or systematize it. Um, but yeah, the step up from demo to to live can be very very problematic for a lot of people because you're you're dealing with real money, real emotions, the ability to be right, taking those profits when the market starts turning when you don't need to, um, being patient in the positions. So, yeah, demos are really good um, and they serve a purpose, but the step up into a real account for it, I think, can catch a lot of people out. Yeah, it does. You know, it's something we talk about a lot. The the psychology of all of a sudden having your own money on the line can exactly. be pretty pretty scary business. Um, yeah. But Chris, I mean, thank you so much. I think we'll leave it there. I mean, you heard it here first, uh, you know, work hard at trading and you'll be a better trader. And... Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. I just want to say this. That, you know, I've, been in, I've, been, I've been in the, the, the CFD game and the retail trading game for a while. And, and your job is to get past the first year. If you can get past the first year, your job, your chance of making money goes up by, I, I have to pluck a number out of but a decent percentage. If you can get into that three to five year duration, your chance of making money on a continuous basis moves up exponentially. So your first year as, as a trader is to stay in the game, is to survive, okay? Which doesn't sound particularly inspiring, but that's you'll learn a lot. <laughs> you will learn a lot in that one year. Um, and if you can stay into that three, five, five year, you know, I've been at two different CFT shops now, Pepperstone obviously for mm-hmm. five and, and you look at the statistics on, on, on people who are continuously winning trades and, 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 and have an edge, and these are people who are, who are typically in that sort of three to five year plus back it. So you've got to survive. But when you get that and, and you can cultivate that edge, your chance of making money will increase and it will increase. So, you know, don't give up, but you just got to you've got to survive the first year and, 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 and hone your skills and become a better trader and put the work in. And, and yeah, the statistics show you that after a period of time, you, you, you know, your chance of making money in this game you know, obviously increases dramatically. So educate yourself, work hard, and persevere, basically. 100%. 100%. Yeah. 
No, and that's fantastic advice. I think a lot of beginners should take on board. Um, Chris, we've lost Alison somewhere in here. I think her internet connection went down. Well, I've just, I've just, I've just, I've just literally seen as we've just been talking that the uh, South African GDP uh, numbers have fallen by one point three percent, far worse than expected. Ah, so maybe she's going yeah. to trade it. <laughs> <laughs> Entirely possible. I'll have to, I'll have to try and track it down and ask it. Chris, uh, thank you so much for coming on today. You've been a fantastic guest, and we really hope to have you on again. I'd love to. I've, I really enjoy talking about markets with anyone. So yeah, really, 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 really honoured to be to be part of your community. And if you've got any questions, do reach out to, to myself um, or, or the team at Pepperstone. We'd obviously be very happy to answer those. And I really hope to be uh, to be back again. Yeah. No. Thanks. Thanks so much. Um, have a great rest of your day. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Cheers. Cheers.